0: amen thank you ladies welcome everyone i hope everyone settled in at home and uh got your cup of coffee and, and your phone on silent but uh, merry christmas i want to thank uh before we get started i want to thank reggie bragg and the rest of those folks that put our star up i'm uh, tickled to tickled to death to see that up and and it, it's kind of one of the things that's icing on the cake Uh, For me at Christmas, and uh, for those of you that don't know, just kind of a side note, uh, the Christmas star is going to be shining tomorrow night. I believe uh, about 538, a few minutes after sunset, it's going to be in the southwestern sky. First time in many years that it's been shining, the real Christmas star. Kind of step outside your house and check that out tomorrow night. All right, guys. I'm going to ask you this too. Uh, sometimes I notice after the message that uh, some of the viewership starts to to fade off. I want you to hang in there today. the The band has some Christmas songs they're going to be singing, and and I'm excited about one. It's my my favorite. Uh, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. You never know. I might join in Well, But uh, I want you to stay in. Stay on there and, and listen to them, and, and uh, take out your message notes if you got them. Mallory has put them on the online for us. Uh, we're going to be talking about worshiping at Christmas today. We find worship winding its way through the Christmas story. How we worship, why we worship, how it was demonstrated for us in Scripture. Well, what does worship actually mean? People got all kinds of ideas about it. Uh, People lots of times think worshiping is singing. Attending a service. Traditions. Lots of different ways that, that we think about worship. I want you to write this down. Worship is declaring the worth and greatness of God. That's what worship is. Declaring the worth and greatness of God. It's so much more than music. If worship is declaring the worth and greatness of God, then I have a question for you. What is God worth to you? What is God worth to you? And to the extent that, that you and I can answer that question, we will worship In the way we live, the things that we say. Guys, you can tell what a person person, uh, worships by the way he or she lives their life, how they spend their time, how we spend our money, what we talk about more than, than anything else. You see, worship is what they primarily focus their attention on. You can always tell what a person worships by the decisions, the choices that they make, the values that they live by. Guys, your lives will always reflect what you value the most. Always. So I want to talk about how do we worship Jesus at Christmas. And there's many ways that we, we see it. In scripture, in, in the story of Jesus' birth, the angels sang, the wise men gave, and the shepherds shared the good news of what they have seen and heard. All worshiped in different ways. I want to start by looking at the angels. If you want to worship Jesus at Christmas, then we got to do what the angels did. First, the angel angels worship by singing. They worship by singing. When the, when the angels appeared to the shepherds and told them to go to Bethlehem to find Jesus, the Bible says this in Luke chapter 2, 8-14. through 14. There were some shepherds in that part of the country who were spending the night in the fields taking care of their flocks. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone over them. They were terribly afraid, but the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I am here with good news for you, which will bring great joy to all the people. This very day in David's town, your Savior was born, Christ the Lord. And this is what will prove it to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, I love that, suddenly a great army of heaven's angels appeared with the angel singing praises to God. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom He is pleased. Amen. Amen. So we can start worshiping Jesus by doing what the angels did, singing praises to God. We can do that today, David and I were talking about that and all, by singing Christmas carols. And I'm not talking about Frosty and Rudolph and and, and all of that stuff. I'm talking about Christmas carols. I'm talking about sing songs that point to Jesus. It's what I'm talking about. That, that's what I'm referring to. The songs of our faith, you know, they're packed with meaning, they're, they're packed with truth and, and worship, biblical truth. I wrote a couple of examples down on, on your outline. Uh, uh, one of them that, that I love, she just sang, Oh Holy Night. And, it, you know, it goes, Long lay the world in, seer, in sin and error, pining till he appeared in the soul felt its worth oh man pining I didn't know what pining was for a long time and in, in pining is it, it's just a, a wasting away from a broken heart he says the soul felt its worth guys it's so easy for you and me to feel like we're worthless to God But it wasn't until he appeared that the soul felt its worth. When Jesus appeared, the soul felt its worth. Guys, if you ever wonder what something is worth, just look at what somebody's willing to pay for. If you ever question what is the worth of your soul to God, all you got to do is look at Jesus. His coming to die for you, to pay for your sins, should be proof enough of your worth, of your value to God, of just how much that he loves you. You you may think that that your sin has, has made you worthless to God, but God says you're priceless. You're priceless. What about that song that I got next? Heart to herald angels, Say, that's a cold song. It lists names of Jesus, you know, and, and let me tell you what it says. Hail the heaven-born prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. And lie to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Might he lay his glory by, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Oh, man, it's just just, just filled with, with, with Scripture in there. Hark the herald. Angels sing. Comes from Malachi, Philippians, John. There's a sermon in all these songs. But play and listen to them this Christmas. I put some on my Facebook for you today. Play in the car. Play in your house. Let these truths, these carols of of Christmas be kind of the soundtrack of the season for you. Did you know that singing worship prepares us for eternity? Did y'all know that? Singing singing Christmas songs and singing them together is just not a, a religious exercise. It's a rehearsal for heaven. It's a rehearsal for heaven. You know, you know, every time that I read something about heaven in the Bible, it's, there's singing in it. There, there, there's praising in it. I want to tell you something, guys. There's going to be no sermons in heaven. There's going to be no theology, no numerology, no eschatology, no genealogy, no psychology. When we see Jesus, all those questions are going to be answered. All of them is going to be answered. There won't be anything for us to argue about anymore. Amen. Nothing. Teachers and preachers, I'll be unemployed. <laughs> I will be unemployed. But the worship will just be getting started. We're going to be singing praises for God for eternity. The band that you see see up here, they're not only going to have eternal security, they're going to have eternal job security. Amen. They're going to be singing. (laughs) Our Our worship, you and me, human beings, we're unique in all of creation. You ever think about this? The angels cannot worship the way that you and I do. They cannot worship the way that you and I do. You know why? Because the angels have never experienced God's mercy and his forgiveness. We, when we sing, we sing from a redeemed heart. Right. We sing from a forgiven heart. Only human beings can sing from a redeemed heart. Amen. Amen. I was lost, but now I'm found. I'm redeemed. Jesus didn't die to save the angels. He came and he died to save mankind. We can sing. We can sing. Mm. Our worship is connected differently with him because he knows what we go through. He's been here. He He was a man. He knows what it's like to be human. He knows our struggles. He understands what it means to offer a a sacrifice of praise. Oh, man, Emmanuel, God is with us. He is with us. The Bible tells us that all creation will worship. But our worship is worth more to God than any other creation because we're the ones he came to die for. It's just worth more. You know what I've I've heard people say? I can't wait to sing with the angels. I got something to tell you. The angels can't wait to sing with us because we're the ones that Jesus died for. They can't wait to sing with us. The redemption of God's creation, mankind, our worship, is worth the life of his son. Can you just imagine? I'm telling you, I believe that our worship from, from mankind is so important that even when the angels are singing, he's shh. When he heard us singing a while ago, he said shh. My kids are singing. My kids, my redeemed, are praising me. My forgiven are praising me. Let's listen. So what is worship worth to you? What is it worth to you? What is it worth? Sing together. When these guys are leading you and sing when you're home on your couch, sing with them. Sing to him. Second, let's look at the shepherds. I love the shepherds. I can relate to the shepherds. The shepherds worshipped by sharing the good news. They worshipped by sharing the good news. Let's look at Luke uh, 15 through 20. When the angels had left him and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, you'll catch why I can relate to the shepherds in a moment. But it's, it's amazing to me that God would choose shepherds to be the first evangelist. You would think that he would send his angel to uh, the, the the what is it the royal priest of that day, or, or the the religious leaders of, of that day, you know, or maybe at least the the political uh, power brokers. But that's not who he chose. God sent his message to a bunch of blue collar workers, ordinary guys. Ordinary guys doing ordinary jobs just out there trying to make a living. We don't even know their names. Don't even know who they are. They weren't spiritual giants. They wasn't in church when when it happened. They weren't even in a small group or a Bible study. They were just watching their flock. And at night, just doing their job. I bet it's boring to watch sheep. I bet it's twice as boring to watch sheep at night. That'd be the last thing that angels singing to you would be the last thing that you would expect to see while you're out there watching sheep. Amen? It would be the last thing. Certainly not, not a, a, an army of angels telling you to go find a baby. Lying in a manger. Let me tell you something about the shepherds. They weren't very high up on the the social ladder. As a matter of fact, they were on the bottom rung. They were outcast. Shepherds had a bad reputation for dishonesty. They, They lacked integrity. Did you know they weren't even permitted to testify in court during those days? Yeah. They were just known to be liars. Men that lacked integrity. 17 and 18. Where am I Well, I don't have it. <laughs> I forgot to put it on there. Yeah, it's in, it's in part of this. Let me get it right here. It is here. When they had seen Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now, what's interesting is this, because the shepherds couldn't be trusted. Remember that? They couldn't be trusted. But guys, when I read this, it tells me something must have happened to them. Something happened. Must have happened to them that was so powerful and so compelling that when they told their story, the people were amazed. Something changed with their reputation. Something happened. Why would would God choose shepherds as his first evangelist? Well, if you go back in the Old Testament, God loved shepherds. He used them. Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. And God cares for his, his flock, so it kind of makes sense to me now. It wouldn't have then. Remember, Jesus was called the Lamb of God? So why wouldn't he use shepherds to tell the word about him? The lesson here is if God can use ordinary guys like them, what can he do through you and me? Paxton is famous for this. He says, you always have a story to tell. Everyone has a story to tell. Your story, your story. And guys, I want to tell you, everyone who's listening, your uh, uh, story, your story, your life is the most compelling piece of evidence for the case of Jesus Christ. Your story is. Jesus' story is the greatest story ever told and it's still being written in the lives of each and every one of us. It's still being written. It's still being told. You see, guys, you are a part of his story. You know, people can argue about your logic. And they will. People can argue about your theology. And they will. People can argue about your point of view. And they will. But they cannot argue with you about the experience that you had with Jesus Christ that changed your life. They can't argue with the testimony of what Jesus Christ has did for you. You see, Jesus Christ did something to those shepherds. They had a change. You see, people cannot argue with a changed life. Mm -hmm. We're not all called to be evangelists, but we're all called to be witnesses. You see, a witness just says, this is what I saw and this, this is what I heard. This is what I experienced. It's your story. You witness It's your witness of what you've experienced in Christ. That's the most compelling, powerful, convincing evidence of the case of Jesus Christ. So what has Jesus done for you? What has Jesus done in you? Don't you remember the book of John where there's this blind guy and Jesus took some mud and, and rubbed it in his eyes and he could see. I think that's where we get the story. Here's money Eye, and the Pharisees came to him and said, "We need to talk about this. What did he do? Who was he? Where did he come from? Which direction did he go?" He said, "Look, I don't know. I don't know the answer to any of your questions. All I know is I was blind, then I met him, and now I see." I was blind and now I see my life has changed. You are the most compelling evidence for the case of Jesus Christ. Not your religious knowledge, knowledge, not your ability to reason with people, not your ability to win arguments and debates. It's your life changing experience with Jesus Christ. You have hundreds of stories. I got to tell you, one of my stories is now I was angry. Now I'm at peace. Maybe you are are hopeless and now you have joy. Maybe you were broken and now you're healed. Maybe you were lost and now you're found. I tell you, I was dead in sin and now I'm alive in Christ. The shepherds spread the word about what they would seen and heard. gotta ask you what have you seen and heard what have you seen since you've had this life with Jesus what was your life like before what's it been like since then what difference has Jesus made in your life when did Jesus give you hope clarity counsel peace strength courage what's he done for your family your marriage we've all got stories and I gotta tell you when we tell them other people will be amazed at what Jesus has done for us others will be amazed so this Christmas don't just sing don't just sing your worship go and tell what you've seen and heard. So I got to ask you, we're having a Christmas Eve communion service Thursday night. Who are you going to invite? Who are you going to invite to come with you? See, we're still going to have communion. We're still going to have our, our service here. It's going to be virtual. You can come between 6.30 and 7.15 and 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 drive up and 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 get your 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 package, the, the juice and the bread, and you can pull out here in the parking lot if you want to and have it under the star with us. Or you can sit at home and make your own bread and, and your own juice and and you can have it at home. You're creating memories. And we're gonna have it here. There's gonna be a couple of families here that's gonna do it. We're gonna play some music and we're going we're going we're gonna have communion with you. Who are you going to invite? Bring them with you. Bring them with you. Put them in your car or invite them to, you, to your home. It could be the greatest gift that you could give someone this year. It's going to be a special night. COVID's not going to stop us. It's going to be a special night. Let's talk about the wise men. Let's just sang about the wise men. The wise men worship by giving. The wise men worship by giving. Matthew 2 says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. The wise men went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of frankincense and of myrrh. These guys fascinate me. The more I hear, uh, learned about them, they, they fascinate because we don't really know much about. Them. We don't really know where they're from, their, their names, or some scholars say that they're most likely from from Persia, which is uh, modern day Iran, in in, in Iraq, and in, in there or Arabia. But wherever they're from, they were aliens to the covenant of God. They were not a a, a part of God's people. Yet they were there. Searching come from a long way to worship the one who was fulfilling God's covenant. Unlikely men from an unlikely place coming to a foreign land to worship a God. who was not their own. It's fascinating. They had no stake in the kingdom of God. They were Gentiles, but they were coming to worship. This God who was supposed to be king. Why did they go to Jerusalem? Because it was the capital of Israel. It's a likely place. But when God took on flesh, he did it in the most humble of settings. Only God would do that. Only God would do that. Do you, you know, he was, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Do you know what Bethlehem means? It means house. Of bread. You know what Jesus is called? The bread of life. And he was lying in a a feeding trough, a manger, in the house of bread. Back to these wise men. They were called, they came to a territory controlled by the Roman Empire, but they're looking for a king. They wanted to, to worship a king that was born. In captivity. And by asking these questions around town. Around, around the capital. They're actually risking arrest. They went straight to King Herod. Herod was. The, 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 he was called the king of the Jews. It was a political appointment. Given by Caesar. Let me tell you something about Herod. And I'll put it nicely. He was violent. He was was cruel. He was paranoid. And that's putting it nicely. He felt threatened uh, about uh, someone taking his throne from him. He killed his wife and kids. And brothers-in-laws and all that family. You you know, just because he thought they were becoming a threat to his throne. And then here comes these three men from Persia. And they say where's the one that's been born king of the Jews? Herod was disturbed. He said, so were the people of Israel. Yeah, they were disturbed. They knew that Herod was a nut job (laughs) and that he would kill everybody. I mean, the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders didn't even go to Jesus. They were scared to stir up trouble. They don't want to talk about Jesus. Today, sometimes we don't talk about Jesus because we don't want to stir up trouble. We don't want to upset the the status quo. I mean, these, these wise men, these Gentiles, they traveled hundreds of miles to worship a king who was not their own, the king of the Jews, but the Jewish leaders wouldn't travel six miles from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. Harry began to plot his death. You see, to some, Jesus was a Savior. To some, Jesus was a stumbling block. To some, he was a miracle. To some, he was a disturbance. The wise men brought him gifts. The gifts kind of intrigued me. They brought in frankincense, myrrh, and gold. Gold frankincense is myrrh for, for baby gifts? I mean, gold, you know, riches. The frankincense is kind of like incense. Myrrh? Myrrh. That's embalming fluid. Do y'all know that? It's embalming fluid. Sometimes you just say, oh, you shouldn't have. <laughs> That's one of them. Oh, you really, really you shouldn't have. But actually these gifts are, these gifts are pretty significant. They're, they're pretty meaningful. Gold, if you fill in your blanks, gold represented Jesus' royalty. It was a gift for kings. Frankincense, it represents Jesus' divinity. Incense was offered up to God in praise. And myrrh, it represented Jesus' humanity. It was used to prepare someone for burial. All these were represented in the gifts of these men. But I want you to notice something in this verse. The wise men worshiped Jesus when there was absolutely nothing that he could do for them he was a child he was a helpless baby you see kings aren't supposed to be born in barns they're supposed to be born in palaces it was a shock Jesus didn't come the way that we think he should or the world think he should Kings are born in mansions, not barns, but not our king, not our king. Jesus is our king. He's not born in the mansions of life. We don't meet him in the mansions of life. We meet Jesus in the feeding troughs of life. We don't beat him, meet Jesus Christ in the moments of glory. We meet Jesus in the seasons of suffering. Not our king. Our king is born in a barn. Lots of times Jesus comes to us when it's painful and inconvenient. He comes in a way that's completely Unexpected. It's not how we would do things if we were in charge. Not if we were the king. What I've noticed in my 59 years is God doesn't show up most of the time in the way that I would expect. What that's taught me in 59 years and what I want to teach you today is this. We have to leave room for God to be God. We have to leave room for Jesus to come unexpectedly. Here's something worth writing down if you want to. I don't know who told it to me. God can only, or if God can only live up to my expectations, then he's not God. If God can only live up to my expectations, then he's not God. The Bible says he can do far more than we could ever expect or imagine. We gotta leave room for Jesus to do the unexpected. In the difficult times and places, it's in those mangers of life that we encounter the Prince of Peace, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, In those dusty, musty barns of life. It's where we encounter the Almighty. So in what area of your life are you waiting for Jesus to arrive? I got to ask you, will you welcome him if he doesn't show up the way that you expect him to? Will you worship him If your situation looks more like a manger than a mansion. Lastly, I want to look at the sequence of worship. Look at the sequence of worship. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Write this down. First they offered themselves and then they offered their gifts. You see, before they offered their wealth, they offered their heart. That must be the order of our worship too. We offer our hearts first. More than anything that we can bring to Jesus, he wants our hearts. More than our talents, more than our wealth, he wants our hearts. Look at what God said about this, uh, about heartless worship. Jesus quoted this later on, but God said this about heartless worship, worship in Isaiah. These people claim to worship me, but their words are meaningless and their hearts are somewhere else. Their religion is nothing but human rules and traditions which they have simply memorized. If that gift ain't coming from your heart, it ain't really worship. It's just a religious exercise. It's just a religious exercise. It starts with the heart. Fill in this blank. What God wants most from me in worship is me. What God wants most from me in worship is me. I want to end it with a couple of questions. How would you worship Jesus this Christmas? How would you worship Jesus this Christmas? Would you sing? Come and see and go tell others. Open your hearts. Open your hearts. Before you offer anything else, offer your hearts. What God wants most in worship is you. Have you prepared room in your heart for Jesus? Jesus. I invite you to do that right now. Let me pray for you. My Lord, oh, I thank you so much. Lord, when I I close my eyes and I'm in those, those moments with you this week, I can hear the bell. And I know that me, along with hundreds of others, we can't carry a tune in a five-gallon bucket. But you love it. We sing from a redeemed heart, a forgiven heart. Lord, I was, I was dead in sin, and now I'm alive in Christ. I was angry, but now I'm at peace. You saved me, Lord. You restored uh, me, my my influence. Actually, you didn't restore, you gave me influence. And you gave me affluence. That's unbelievable. It's amazing. Lord, and I pray for that person today that, that's lost, that's, that's found herself in a barn. And I know, Lord, you'll meet them there. You've been there, you were born there. Oh, show up unexpectedly. Let us leave room for you. It's in Christ's name, I